Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Carn, and Mike Steenstra. And welcome back to a yet another episode of Rooster and the Devil, um, special edition tonight. Um, uh, I'm Jimmy Carn here, the Devil, and I'm going to be rocking this solo, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So. Hopefully you guys don't get too tired of my voice. I'm going to try to mix it up for you. Um, you know, I got some topics that I want to cover, but I'm also going to throw in some uh, um, some other uh, different things for you guys, to, uh, for your listening pleasure. Um, if uh, this is, it's 10 o'clock right now on, on Tuesday when I'm recording this, uh, you know, we're about a half hour off of the loss um, in the Nations League tonight, um, Canada winning in uh, in Toronto two nothing. Um, it's uh, I think um, you know I I see Mike has already been on the Twitter. He is understandably pretty upset. Um, personally, I'm not super concerned about it. You know, the, with the way they've changed, you know, qualifying. Um, it's it's almost fail safe that uh United States should should qualify less that I mean unless they just completely fall apart which you know um to a lesser extent we saw happen the last World Cup cycle but um you know they lose they lose tonight to nothing it's the uh, it's the first time we've lost to Canada in a, an actual competitive match since 1980 um lost in a friendly to them in 1985 um full disclosure I have a very um, sensitive spot in my heart for Canada. Um, I'm first generation American. My dad was a Canadian immigrant. So, um, you know, for me, I, I, I tend to keep up with them. Um, it's been fun the last couple of years, especially now with, uh, a player of Alfonso Davies quality. Um, you know, for all of the fun young players we're talking about with the United States, the, um, the opportunities for a lot of these players to grow. I, I really love Alfonso Davies. Um, I don't think he's going to get a lot of playing time ever at Bayern Munich, but I think he's growing there exponentially. He is a fantastic player. He's so much fun to watch. Um, so graceful and physical and, and fast and, and his, his technique and his, uh, you know, his dribbling skills. He's just really electric to watch. Um, so, uh, I think that that kind of takes some of the sting out of it for me, you know, um, having that, that Canadian heritage, but, um, you know, as a, as a United States citizen, as a, you know, full USMNT fan, um, it's, it's frustrating tonight. And I think that the biggest, you know, frustration continues to be some of the, the squad choices. Um, and, you know, I think maybe it is down to the lack of, of real depth, um, of, you know, starting startable players at this moment. You know, I think that we talk a lot about how many good young players there are out there, the pool that's out there that, um, but guys that aren't getting a lot of, you know, first team minutes right now and whatever their setups are, um, which, which leads to players like, like Tim Ream continuing to start, um, 
that was, I think, you know, I, I watched the first 20 minutes of the game tonight. Um, uh, I ended up turning it off for a, a number of reasons. Uh, you know, one being that I, I can't believe Tim Ream's still starting, but, you know, it shows where we're at right now. And, and, and two, it's on ESPN, which baffles me how, how terrible ESPN is at, at coverage at this point. Like, I watched the Monday Night Football game last night. The the commentators for that are awful. Um, uh, obviously, if uh, if any of you have followed our podcast, we we um, we here at Rooster and the Devil don't care much for Taylor Twelman. Uh, so I, that was another reason to turn it off. But uh, uh, mostly, I have two little kids that needed to go to bed. So um, yeah, I, I didn't watch the whole game. I did catch the score at the end. It's it's frustrating, you know. I think that, um, uh, you know, outside of Tim Ream, like, I'm, I'm baffled that Roldan continues to get minutes. I, I don't like him. Um, you're talking to somebody who doesn't watch a lot of MLS. Um, I don't put a lot of value in um, a lot of the MLS, but I understand that that's where a large portion of our player pool comes from. So, um, but just that the you know early on he made that awful back pass to Stefan. Um, who, uh, you know, David ended up jumping on it. Um, Stefan made a, a good one-on-one save um, to, to prevent it, but it was just so lazy and, and, and gross. And, you know, it's not um, not what you want to see, especially from a team that's trying to build, you know, uh, they want to, you know, build from the back as opposed to playing long ball. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a loss. I think that, you know, um, like I said at the beginning, the way they've set up qualifying now, um, United States is up to not not fail. Um, I think that they're going to qualify for the World Cup, uh, irregardless. But I think er, I hate irregardless. Regardless, um, it, 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 I, I get it, and people are going to be upset today, and and be upset, Mike. I I love you. Be upset, man. Um, I, I'm not ready to storm the USSF headquarters, at least not for this game. There's a plethora of other reasons. Um, you know, why I hate the, the setup and we don't have to get into those, but take our lumps, you know, look at who played tonight, look at, um, you know, maybe look at some of the, the tactics and look at some of the players that were missing too, um, from a, a pretty shallow depth pool, but players of quality like, like Tim Weah and, and Tyler Adams, you know, that are, are real difference makers. Um, and, you know, as we get, hopefully if we can get healthy for a cycle, we can actually see what we have, you know, going into, uh, into 2022. So, um, don't, uh, don't lose your minds yet, Mike, you know, hang with me, buddy. I think that everything's gonna be all right. Um, but yeah, disappointing tonight. So let's, uh, let's move on from, from what has been, you know, that's real heavy to get into right off the bat. And, uh, I'm sure Helder, you're probably the only person still listening. Um, Hey buddy, how are you doing? Um, let's uh, uh, let's move into my first uh, icebreaker, if you will. Um, I wanted to give you guys personally um, what I personally rate as the top five movies of all time. Um, for reference, I don't cl- like uh, I don't claim to be a movie buff. Uh, I'm not a movie snob. I don't think um, that having been said, I did spend five years as a film and video major. I actually got to my senior thesis before I was like this is stupid. I'm never going to make money doing this. And, uh, I dropped out of school. Um, I have a degree now, but it's, it's, it's definitely not in film video. 
Um, you know, and there's there's a bunch of movies I get to see like in school, a bunch of movies I've watched since then out, out of school. Um, but this list is is personal for me, and I'll, I'll kind of give you know context for each one of these going forward. So number five, for me, The Dark Knight. Uh, I saw it uh, the day it opened in theaters. Um, actually, with uh, with with Brad Tyndall, who's here on the podcast, um, we went uh, went to I think it was uh, AMC um, in Walker, Michigan, to to watch it. It was unbelievable. The um, it's for me, it's what I argue with. Uh, I've you know I have some very nerdy friends that that are you know super into the Marvel uh, Marvel universe and stuff like that and. For me, my argument for the the Dark Knight trilogy in, as a whole, but this movie in particular, is that when I watch it, it's a very good movie that happens to have superheroes in it. Whereas when I watch any of the Marvel stuff, I, it's it's clearly a superhero movie, and that doesn't mean that they're poorly done. But I think that um, that's the delineation for me is that you know these are just fantastic movies standalone. They just happen to be about superheroes. Um, Dark Knight for me, number five. Uh, number four for me, Requiem for a Dream. Um, what a mindfuck that movie is for me. Um, Darren Aronofsky, uh, one of my favorite directors, um, incredible. Just some of the the techniques that he used in that movie, um, the way it's shot, the way it's you know put together um, from beginning to end is is absolutely fantastic. It's it's horribly depressing and dark. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's riveting to watch. Um, it, uh, that is my one uh, film school movie, if you will. You know, I wrote um, uh, I wrote like a twenty page paper about that movie. It's um, it for me one of the top five. It's it's fantastic. Number so number four, Requiem for a Dream. Number three for me, The Princess Bride. I love that movie. I don't care what anyone says. It's it's awesome. I heard somebody say the other day that they were talking about remaking it. If they did, I'll fucking burn the studio down. Um, you know, it's it's absolutely perfect in its in its current construct. I can't imagine them redoing it. Um, you know, Andre the Giant, um, the story. Like, I mean, uh, I can't say the word inconceivable without you know directly thinking of of that movie. Um, I I think I quote it on a daily basis. It's just I, it it's uh. It's not even one that I really watched as a kid. Uh, it's one that I, you know, I picked up like as a as a teenager and later in life. And um, I don't own very many DVDs anymore, but it's that's one that I still have on DVD. Um, it's 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 absolutely fantastic. It's a it's a fun one. I can't wait until my kids are old enough to understand it and, and to watch it with them. So um, for for me, number three, The Princess Bride. Um, number two. Um, like I said, this uh, this list is pretty personal for me, uh, but number two for me is Big Fish. Um, that movie strikes a chord with me. Uh, you know, I lost my dad when when he was or when I was pretty young. Um, he was pretty young, uh, relatively, but um, you know, for me, I think that uh, being, him being young, you know, I I have stories that that I heard from him that resonate and then and can be larger than life sometimes. And I don't know how many of them, um, and the details that I have are true, but, uh, it, you know, that movie resonates with me in that sense, you know, where like my dad is, you know, you talk to my brother who's seven years younger than I am. He was, uh, you know, freshman in college. 
um, when he passed. So like, there's, there's things that we, that we talk about that, um, you know, I think some of his stories are larger in life in the same way that this movie is. So that one's uh personal for me, but I also, you know, find that movie very entertaining. Um, it's just really well done. So number two for me, big fish. And then number one, um, my number one favorite movie all time, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, that, that movie is, you know, in a, in a long list of very good, you know, Stephen King, uh, movies and stories. And, you know, that was a, a, um, based off a short story that Stephen King had written. Um, the name of the short story escapes me at the moment, but it's, you know, uh, Andy Dufresne, the character and, you know, everything that goes on through that entire movie, I think is fantastic. Um, all the way down to the film score. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd about, uh, you know, movie scores. Thomas Newman is my favorite composer. He obviously did Shawshank Redemption. That, that movie score is, is, is brilliant. You know, uh, the way it matches up with, with everything that goes on on screen. That's for me, number one, bar none, Shawshank Redemption. So, uh, that is Jimmy Carn, The Devil, Top 5 Movies of All Time, The Dark Knight, Requiem for a Dream, The Princess Bride, Big Fish, and Shawshank Redemption. So thank you for coming along with me. Hopefully that was a little bit of a palate cleanser after <laughs> after talking about Canada and the United States tonight. But uh, uh, let's move on to my next topic. Um, this one is soccer-related, but not necessarily to the Premier League. Um, it, it is a little bit. We'll tie it in. Um, but I want to talk about a little bit about uh, uh, referees, um, and it's going to kind of morph into a larger conversation here. But um, as an American, you know, I watched football. Um, I'm from the state of Michigan. Um, I'm not a Lions fan, but I watched Monday Night Football last night. Uh, I have a lot of Lions fans, friends, including Brad, who's, uh, you know, on this podcast. Um, they feel like they were uh, the game was stolen from them last night, and I, I, I can't. I can't disagree. There was been there was just some incredibly egregious calls last night, um, and I think in in larger part in the NFL all season there's been some pretty egregious calls, um, and you know kind of how that relates to you know in the NFL, you know they've they've been doing replay a long time. You know they continue to to expand um, the ability of some of these replays. Um, you know, when, when replay, uh, review started, um, they didn't even review every scoring play. You had to challenge on some of the scoring plays, but now every scoring play, I think every turnover is immediately, is immediately reviewed. And, you know, there's a number of referees out there on the field, um, you know, making judgment calls on an incredibly fast, violent sport. And, you know, we're seeing now because of how much replay, and slow motion uh, review that they, that we get to see at home on television, um, it 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 just looks awful. And I think that um, you know as we continue to push them more and more into some of this stuff on some of these judgment calls that we're asking them to make, um, I think that we lose a little bit of what makes that sport great. And I'm, I bring this up because. You know, we're in an era now um, in the Premier League where we have VAR. And, you know, in, in the past, you know, there has been, um, you know, we are in 2019. We only, This is the first year of uh, VAR in the Premier League. And we've had some incredible television coverage the last 
decade, decade and a half, you know, with some of the replays and the ability to, like, the camera angles and some of the stuff that we caught, you know, after the fact, like, oh, my gosh, you know, that I can't believe they didn't catch that, blah, 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 blah. VAR is going to come in and fix that stuff. And what we're seeing now is, you know, every, you know, every little time, every every little thing is, is down to a judgment call. And instead of, you know, um, you know, instead of a referee on the field making that immediate judgment call in real time with, again, an incredibly fast, athletic, physical sport like, like, uh, like soccer is, um, you know, they're, they're making those calls in real time. And I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's even harder sometimes if you look at some of the slow motion stuff, cause then you're, now you're, you know, trying to make that, you know, what's that, what's that separating line between, you know, fair and foul, even looking at it, you know, frame by frame with some of the stuff and man, I mean, in not even, and that's just contact. We're just talking about fouls in that, in that, in that sense. Um, you know, I, I think it was a couple weeks ago, um, was it Sonny got called for offsides, you know, in a Tottenham game, uh, you know, they were showing it on the screen, you, you know, the, the VAR review and they get their, whatever their fucking laser lines out there. And, um, you know, so-and-so is this, and we're, we're talking about millimeters and I just, just by looking at it doesn't look, I mean, there's no way like from a visual, uh, you know, a human eye would have been able to separate if that guy was onside or offside, just you know, it, it was hard to separate it when it was in like almost freeze frame, let alone in watching it in real time. And, you know, the goal was called off and, um, and I get, it. I think it was a bad call. And that's the sort of stuff that we're starting to see now where, where we're going into this replay world. Um, it's going to start to change the way the game is, is played, the way the game is reft. And ultimately, you know, the quality of, um, the product that we're watching. And, you know, I know Mike was really upset with that game, with that call in particular, you know, momentum, uh, killer momentum shift, uh, kind of in the same vein as, you know, uh, in that Detroit game last night, you know, uh, Trey Flowers called illegal hands to the face the first time on, I think it was a third down sack of Aaron Rodgers, uh, would have got Detroit off the field. Instead, you know, it's an automatic first down. I think two plays later, they scored a touchdown. So you talk about like momentum shifts that way, completely, you know, a point swing just on a, on a, on a judgment call on some of this stuff. And, and that, the, the problem is with the, you know, the football game last night was that wasn't a reviewable play. And you're like, well, do we keep adding more and more and more to this, this review to, you know, completely eliminate that? And, yeah, you can. You know, if we if we want to go to a world that's completely robot referees, that's fine. But for me, I think that, you know, do we need to eliminate some of the clear and obvious errors like like the Diego Maradona handball, uh, you know, the hand of God um, in the World Cup? Yes, like that sort of stuff needs to be wiped out. The Thierry Henry handball goal against Ireland um, for France in uh, World Cup qualifying, you know, a um, couple cycles ago. That's another one. It's it's absolutely egregious. You know, th- those are the ones that we want to wipe out. But uh, I don't want to go to a world where we're laser line, uh, you know, trying to tell if a guy's off sides or not. And if you can't tell in freeze frame just by sheer, like clearly looking at it, then we're wasting our time with some of this. So, 
beware what you wish for with some of this review stuff because the the Premier League could really start to go the route of what we're seeing in the NFL with some of these terrible calls. Um, I think it's important that we don't that we don't buy too much into um, you know what we're otherwise getting you know a, a fantastic product at home, especially with some of these camera views. Like you you got to watch it in in real time, and and that's the way the game's played. And and honestly, with football, when there, you know with, I'm sorry with soccer when, when there's no stoppages. That's that's kind of how I want it. I'd rather have the free flowing game. I don't want to stop every five minutes and review stuff. So be careful what you wish for. Let's not go that route. And I think that you know I wanted to you know as a as a bigger picture, you know, also kind of how we treat the referees. Oh, I mean, it's it's hard. You know, I'm 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 not gonna tell you know Brad or any of my other Lions uh, fans friends. Um, you know, not to be mad at, like, I think it was like, Cleet Blakeman last night was the referee. Like, be mad, but understand that, you know, there's, you know, there's probably no real big conspiracy theory. And, you know, no one's trying to trying to beat you. I, I think that at the end of the day, everyone's trying to do their job to the best of their ability. Um, but also be aware, because we're growing up in a culture now that, that you know, it's it's okay to, like, you know, really cross the line with some of the, you know, the reactionary treatment of, of some of the refs. And what it's going to lead to is, you know, less and less people wanting to, to do that sort of work. Um, you know, less and less qualified people wanting to do that sort of work because, you know, why would they want to subject themselves, uh, to that sort of abuse, um, when, when really they're trying to do the best they can. And, and, you know, the more we chase out, good qualified people, the worse the officiating is going to get. So be mad. You can be mad, but, you know, also understand that, you know, they're human beings and that's part of what makes the sport great because you, you don't want robots calling this stuff. Um, you know, I've, in my soccer experience, I've worked as a referee. Um, it's, it's not rewarding at all. Um, I, I spent more time spent more time as a coach. And I think that, you know, early on as a coach, when I first started coaching, um, I was definitely way more verbal with the refs. You know, I, as a, as a player, I grew up as a, as a, as a goalkeeper. So for me, I run my mouth constantly because that's what you do as a goalkeeper. You see the field and you're directing traffic and, and really you just want to be heard because most of the time you're standing back there. Um, not part of the game, but so as a coach, I did that too. And I, I think I was, I think it was harder than I, I needed to be on the referees. And it wasn't until I, you know, I had refed some of that stuff that I got to see it from the other side, um, walk in their shoes a little bit and, and understand just how hard it is. You know, it's, it's difficult and I'm not making excuses, but, you know, maybe take a, before, you know, um, before you drop an FU, like take a deep breath and be like, come on, man. I, like I disagree wholeheartedly with the call. Let's, let's get it right next time. Um, so take a deep breath um, with some of the referees. Take a deep breath with some of the reviews. Um, understand that, you know, at the end of the day, I think everyone's trying to do the best they can. Um, I'm sure, you know, from a you know from a soccer side of this, um, there's, you know, if anyone was listening, uh, as, a, as a United supporter, you know, over the years I've heard all the conspiracy theories, you know, about, you know, some of the advantages that, 
United gets from calls or even bigger clubs for that matter. And I, you know, I, I haven't watched enough historically to know that that's true or not. Um, I know there's certain referees uh, in the league currently that um, I, I know there's a guy in particular that Brad absolutely, uh, excuse me, absolutely hates. Um, thinks that you know has it out for for Tottenham and and it's it's hard it's hard not to go conspiracy when you feel like everything's going against you. Um, but I, I generally tend to believe that most people are going to operate in good faith. So everybody chill. You know, it's the same same thing with, with the coaches or anything else. Like, take a deep breath um, and, you know, be constructive in your criticism and, and hope that, you know, we can get better going forward. But, you know, don't drag it down to a point where everything's going to be worse. So that's, a, that's not really a rant. It's more just a, I, I wanted to note that. Um, I, I be, especially for premier league before we go that route, you know, before we turn into, um, you know, a review sport, you know, really, really understand what you're asking for. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's not what you really want. So, all right. So that was again, uh, not fun and, and kind of heavy. So, um, let's get a little palate cleanser here. Um, I'm going to give you Jimmy Karn, the devil's top five sporting events I have ever attended. So these are um, games that I've been to that, um, you know, resonate with me. Um, they're not all one sport or the other, um, although primarily they are American football. So uh, here we go. Number five, uh, Lions versus Packers uh, on Monday Night Football in 2017. So not this year's, but two years ago, I went with my brother um, who lives in Milwaukee and uh, a buddy from here in Michigan. And they're both huge Lions fans. Um, uh, and, you know, for me, it was, you know, the opportunity to go to Lambeau Field on, on a Monday night. Um, couldn't pass it up. I think, you know, the game itself was was fun. The Lions won, um, but they played Brett Hundley, so I didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers play. Uh, the, the biggest thing that stood out for me was, um, when we, when we bought the tickets, um, my brother also knew of a bar in Milwaukee where you could pay 80 bucks to get on this party bus and it takes you from Milwaukee, um, up to Lambeau. Um, the bar, uh, actually owns a house across the street from Lambeau. Um, so they get you there two hours early. Um, and, uh, you know, on the bus the whole way up there. All you can drink, um, all the PBR and Miller Lite in the world because it's Wisconsin. Um, so you're feeling good by the time you get there. You're there two hours early. They take you to this house, and it's a full liquor bar. Again, all you can drink. This is all included in your $80 ticket. All you can eat, they had burgers, dogs, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we were uh, <laughs> we were good and liquored up by the time the game started. And that was just you know a boatload of fun. Um, unfortunately, the ride home the next day was was far less fun, but luckily I didn't have to drive. So number five for me, uh, Lions Packers Monday Night Football two years ago. Number four, um, like I said, I'm not a Detroit Lions fan. I am an Arizona Cardinals fan, uh, have been for a long time now. Um, But number four for me is Cardinals versus Redskins in Arizona um, with my brother back in 2014. Um, You know, my brother is a Lions fan, um, but he, he had, he had a, uh, kind of a love for the Redskins, um, 
mostly Clinton Portis and Sean Taylor. You know, he he uh, he played American football growing up. Um, really loved those guys. And we decided we uh, I wanted to go to a game in Arizona. Um, I'd never been, and he, he was on board. So we actually uh, flew out on a red eye on Saturday night. Um, and had like two layovers and got into Phoenix at uh, 11 a.m. local time uh, for for one o'clock kickoff, and so we we had set up like uh, a room at this awful little motel by the airport. Um, our room wasn't ready that early, so basically we just like trusted this uh, this toothless guy that was working the front counter at this hotel. And he's like, yeah, I'll just put the bags behind the desk. I'm like, cool. So we, you know, throw our bags to him, jump back in the cab, go out to the game. Um, we had awesome seats. You know, we were four rows up in the end zone. Um, the, that stadium is absolutely beautiful. Um, the game was uh, a lot of fun. You know, obviously traveling with my brother is, is always fun. Um, and, you know, and we got done with the game. We went back to the hotel uh, again, feeling pretty good after the game, um, and, you know, slept there until about 3 a.m. and got up and had a flight at 6 a.m. Uh, out of Phoenix, so we were in and out in, in no time at all, um, and, you know, part of that was the experience, so I, that was number four for me, um, actually getting to see a game in Arizona. Number three, um, last year, I went with, uh, again, my brother, um, my uh, father-in-law and my brother-in-law, and we went to um, Eugene, Oregon, for uh, a game between the Oregon Ducks and the Washington Huskies. Um, we tend to do a uh, a random college football trip every year. Um, went to a couple years ago. I did West Virginia versus TCU, uh, Vanderbilt versus Georgia a couple years ago. You know this game, Oregon versus Washington. Um, this year, actually, this week, um, we're going to Clemson at Louisville. So. We love to do a big trip, but this one stuck out so in particular. Um, you know, it was a game between two uh, pretty highly ranked teams at the time, um, and you know, I wasn't prepared for the environment. It was, it was like it was. It, there was nothing that I, I could you know relate it to as far as live, um, live theater experience. It was, you know, the 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 noise was so deafening that I couldn't hear the person next to me if they wanted to talk to me, you know, while uh, Oregon was on defense. That that stadium was so loud. You could feel it, like, in your bones when the, uh, when they are on defense. And, you know, I, uh, I've grown up in Michigan. I've been to the big house for Michigan games, you know, 113,000 fans. And, you know, they sound like uh, a bunch of Lutherans, you know, on a, a Sunday morning church service uh, compared to, um, what I experienced in the 60,000 seat stadium in, 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 uh, Eugene, that, that to me just stood out. Um, I'll never forget that. Um, number two, um, uh, is my only premier league match, Crystal Palace versus Norwich back in 2016. My wife and I honeymooned to, um, uh, we did England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, um, for a couple weeks. Um, but while we were in London, you know, I convinced her to, to come with me to, uh, a soccer game. Um, you got the full experience. You know, we were staying in downtown London. Uh, Crystal Palace is obviously south, so got to jump on the uh, jump on the train and, and and ride down. And we had like probably like a five mile walk from the train station 
because um, we probably got off at the wrong one, walked down and, you know, walked up with a bunch of fans for the game. And um, I, uh, you know, Brad, when he goes, he's a Tottenham member. So, like, you know, he knows exactly where he's sitting. For me, I had to buy from a third-party site in England. So um, it was just like, it gives you tears. And, you know, I bought affordable tickets. And they, they had them at the hotel for us when we got there. And we got, um, you know, uh, when we got over there, got our tickets, went down, went down to the game, and we were actually sitting in the supporter section. And those fans were absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I think we stuck out like sore thumbs because, uh, you know, obviously we weren't fans by any means. We were, you know, but we were enjoying ourselves. They, you know, they invited us to sing along. Um, Jason Punchin scored the only goal, won one nothing. Um, Norwich got relegated that year. In fact, this is the first year back, so. That for me it was number two. Seeing that match was was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I got the bug. I would love to go back um, hard with kids. And then number one for me, um, Arizona Cardinals versus Detroit Lions in Detroit. Um, that one number one for me. Um, I bought those tickets back in two thousand nine. Um, it was the last football game I went to with my dad. Um, and I remember because you know the Cardinals were actually pretty good at the time. You know they went to the Super Bowl the year before, um, and Detroit was awful i think they were coming off of a year or two removed from you know being owned 16 um and you know we we're, were sitting there and the the game was actually pretty darn close i think going through the third quarter in fact i think detroit went up at one point and you know my dad was loving it he uh he hadn't been to ford field um the last game he went to was at the pontiac silverdome but he was loving it. Like there was a there was a little kid next to me who was you know talking all sorts of mad trash, um, in good fun for the most part. And and like every time Detroit made a play, like my dad was reaching over me to high five this kid. And uh, it was, um, you know, Arizona actually ended up coming back and winning. But the the whole experience was was just a awesome time. It stands out for me. Number one, bar none, all time. All right, so moving on from that list, um, let's talk a little Premier League. Um, you know, I am the devil, so I, I, you know, I think Mike would be upset if I didn't spend a little time talking United. Um, I wrote down, you know, what do I expect of United by the end of the season? You know, the 2019-2020 season. Um, I have no grand illusions of winning the Premier League at this point. You know, we can't be a quarter of the way into the season sitting in 12th place and, and think that you're going to catch Liverpool, um, who we, who we play on Sunday. Um, you know, they're undefeated. They're, they're flying high. I think realistic expectations for me is we have, you know, we have the youngest squad, um, in the premier league. I need to see tangible growth from a lot of these guys. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see Rashford get back on form, um, I think that you'll see him play better when he doesn't have to be the out-and-out striker um, all the time. If you know you pair him with with Anthony Martial, who's coming should be coming back, um, should be hopefully can stay healthy, um, as opposed to Andreas Pereira. Um, you know you're you're going to see some of his qualities come back out a little bit that way. But I want to see some growth from the young guys. I'd like to see some consistency in play. You know we uh, we beat Leicester who arguably should be a top four team this year. They're, they're playing fantastically, but we beat Leicester already. Um, and then we, you know, and we lose to Newcastle. Um, 
which is, I don't think is our worst loss personally, but I want to see, you know, consistency in some of the results. Like for whatever, for however down we should be, we still have, you know, our top end talent should be enough that there's, you know, we should be beating half of these teams in the league and it shouldn't be a thought. And I, I want to see consistency week out, week in and week out. Um, and, uh, to go along with that growth. And the third thing for me is a clear plan forward. So, Oops, drop my microphone. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we've been kind of limping along with Ed Woodward and, um, and, and judge, you know, making some of our, uh, transfer type decisions. And those guys aren't exactly, they've done a fantastic job, you know, turning us into a financial juggernaut. Um, don't get me wrong. They make us a lot of money. Um, it's the reason we're still reporting record revenues and we're sitting in 12th place, but at the same time, they're, they're not good. They're not good. You know, football analysts, you know, they, they make bad choices. Um, I, I need to see them get a, whether it's one or two sort of technical directors that are going to, you know, sculpt your, your transfer policy going forward so that there's, uh, they're, they're not just, you know, throwing money at the the latest big name that they saw on ESPN. And I, I literally think that's how they do it sometimes. You know, what is, you know, what are the guys that you absolutely need? And I I think they've hit a little bit, you know, I, we paid a shit ton for Juan Bissaka and we paid a shit ton for Aaron McGuire, but the defense looks, you know, light years better um, with those guys in it than with them out of it. So those are nice. Daniel James seems to be good, but that was only three guys when we needed five or six. So, you know, we tend to be slow and we need to be a little bit more aggressive um, and assertive when it comes to transfer time. And that will all come if you have a clear plan from top to bottom, from manager to um, sporting director to Edward Woodward, who should only be there to sign the checks. And if he can put his ego aside in order to put a technical director in place, I think that that's going to help establish that clear plan forward. Um, I, I think that fully, I, I fully expect them to get a striker in January. Uh, you know, I joked in the last podcast, uh, early, in, uh, Holland from, uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Um, obviously I would love him. He's, you know, he fits the youth bill. Um, in that sort of sense, I don't know that they're going to be able to go get him or even if he wants to come. Um, I think a player that would help them for the last six months of this season. And I'm only talking about this season alone and, I feel like I, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm crazy when I say this. I'm sure that you know some people might think I am, but go get Zlatan back. You know he he's in incredible form. Um, granted, it's MLS, but he's you know healthy, he's strong, and he's a huge presence in the locker room for what is otherwise a group of very young guys. And even the senior guys that are there on that team aren't the strong personalities. And I think that. For whatever you know, Zlatan is as far as you know ego and stuff like that. I, I think he is good for some of those younger guys, and um, and he would be the voice in the locker room. So, um, and, and on top of that, I think he can still contribute a little bit on the field as far as you know putting balls in the back of the net, taking some of the stress off of Marshall and Rash, Rashford as the out and out strikers, or even Greenwood letting Greenwood develop uh, you know a little bit. And he's still seventeen, or maybe just turned eighteen. Um, you know, I think that that would be a prudent signing for the next six months, not maybe long term, um, but for the season. And then for me, you know, the end of the season, with through all of that, I'd love to see them finish at least top ten. Like uh, 
the relegation battle stuff is, you know, a little tongue in cheek at this point because everybody's separated by a few points. Um, but you know, I want to see them get back, finish top ten, and I'd love to see them, you know, make us at least a semifinal run in either the Europa League or the FA Cup. Um, you know, and I think that would do wonders for a lot of the young guys getting, you know, some of them confidence. Um, you know, players like Rashford and and Martial, you know, have been through winning the Europa League with uh, Mourinho a couple of years ago, and and that's all well and good. But there's even more young guys or guys that haven't tasted that sort of success. So I think you know a run in that sense would be fantastic. Um, and then staying with the Premier League stuff, um, I'm only going to review or preview two games for you guys, and that is the um, Tottenham Watford match on Saturday. And then the Liverpool United match on Sunday. So I'll start with the Tottenham Watford match. I didn't talk a lot about Tottenham today. That's not my specialty. Um, but I will say, you know, I think that you see some parallels with United right now, you know, as a team that maybe are struggling under the weight of expectations or the weight of, you know, um, recent history. Tottenham's even more recent. You know, they were in the Champions League final. Um, um, what? four months ago, four or five months ago. So it, you know, that team, you know, like we said, needs a refresh, but there's still an incredible amount of talent there. Mauricio Pochettino is still a a top manager. I think that, you know, hopefully this international break is, you know, reset some of the mindsets for some of these guys, you know, continuing to get guys healthy. But, you know, coming in, like, you know, last week, or not last week, uh, two weeks ago, getting beat by... Brighton three nothing is is concerning. Brighton should be a relegation candidate. They they were coming into the season. Um, I, there's nothing that they've done that's changed my mind in that sense. Whereas Watford coming into the season, I would have told you, I th- you know, I think that they can be no top ten again. Uh, you know, based on the results last year, they, they had a good season, and maybe they didn't make the necessary improvements that they um, should have, or at least additions that they should have in the off season. But um, you know, the the talent should have been there. Um, so this game, you know, Tottenham coming in against Watford. Um, Watford's recent form should tell you that Tottenham is going to take care of business. And just in general, Tottenham should take care of business. But I think that, you know, it's it's not going to be – they can't come walking in and expecting to just out-talent them. Like Tottenham's got to get back to really working for some of this stuff. And I think they've lost some of that. I think they've lost some of that, that metal, that that gritty toughness that you know that they had in those couple of years, you know, last couple of years that they've been top four. Um, I think it would, you know, I know I know Watford's struggling, but I think it would go a long way to building confidence um, if they're able to get a win here. I think that they do. I think they make it nervy. Um, I think it's, you know, I think they get a one nothing lead in the second half and maybe score the last five minutes just to ice it. Um, get a two nothing win, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. I think that they're they're too talented to be where they're at, and Pochettino's too good of a coach to let them be where they're at. And I think that as they get healthy going forward, I think that they're going to be just fine. I, I still think they're going to finish top four, personally. All right, so on to the other match um, on Sunday: Liverpool versus United. Um, um, I say this tongue-in-cheek. I'm a little glad that I'm not going to be able to watch the game. Um, like I said, I'm going to Louisville this weekend for um, for a trip. Um, I'll be driving in the car on Sunday on the way back um, with my father-in-law and my friend John, and both of them absolutely loathe uh, 
loathe soccer, so there's no way I'm gonna be able to get it on, you know, on the on the speakers in the car. I'm sure I'll check the score from time to time. You know, this game's at at Old Trafford. It's a it's a huge historical rivalry game, but you know, the way the teams are currently constructed, the way the teams are performing recently, um, you know, I'd be a fool to sit here and tell you that I think the United has a chance. That having been said, you know, I think that, you know, over the last couple of years, um, even as United has struggled, we've gotten up for some of our, you know, um, rivalry matches, whether it's City or Liverpool, um, even Arsenal to an extent. Um, and I think that, I think that you know, United is going to come out a lot of show, a lot of heart here. I think, I think it's close. I think it's a one goal game, uh, whether that's one nothing or two one. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be a good one. Um, we get Martial back, which, uh, which like I've noted on recently, it's, it's a huge boom for us. Um, takes a little pressure off Rashford. Um, we get Juan Basaka and Luke Shaw back, um, defensively. That's huge. You know, anytime we can get Ashley Young off the field is a win for United. Um, and Pogba should be back. And, you know, that's where we've lacked creativity. McTominay is a, is a fine young player, but he has zero, not zero, but he's, 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 you know, he can't even carry Pogba's jock, jockstrap when it comes to creativity and creating um, for those forwards. Um, you know, that's where Pogba's quality is. I think that he makes Rashford and Martial and whether it's James or Lingard, whoever's up there, he makes them better because of the quality that, that he provides. Um, and hopefully we get a healthy, focused Pogba. And if, if we do, you know, I, I think anything is possible, but I'm... I'm not going to tell you that we're going to win. I think that we lose in close one, but um, I think that we're going to make Liverpool sweat it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping to see some competitiveness and and you know I think there's a big difference between getting blown out um, in this game and losing and you know losing a really tough one because I think if we lose a really tough one, that's where we start. I think that's where you know we start to spring forward and. Um, you know, work our way back in the top 10 and do all those things that I talked about, um, going forward. So, um, that was again, dry and I apologize. I know that I tend to ramble on. So an, another, uh, little, uh, you know, taste, um, taste refresher here, if you will. Um, I'd like to give you my top five favorite Manchester United players. Um, I need to noted that, um, you know, I have only been a fan since I was a kid. So, you know, mid to late nineties, obviously I've lived in a very charmed, um, era of Man United soccer, but I'm also, you know, aware of some of, you know, the greats that came before. Um, there's a reason that he's knighted it and there's a reason that his name's on, on one of the stands at Old Trafford, but, uh, Bobby Charlton, obviously, um, is a fantastic football player, you know, proud to say that he was, uh, a red, um, uh, you know, again, I, I only know from, from the history that I've heard, but, uh, um, a player who passed away in the Munich air, air disaster, Duncan Edwards, uh, um, was apparently a great football player. So I don't mean to slight anybody. Um, this is just from my memory, um, from what I've seen, from what I've watched, um, from when I was a kid till now. These are my five favorite Manchester United players. So number five for me, Ryan Giggs. Um, 
dude played forever. Like, <laughs> and, 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 and it was quality. Like he was so athletic and, 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 and so lethal going forward on that left flank. Um, you know, I think that it, it's a little, it's a little old school to think, you know, that, you know, he, you think about today's setup now, you know, players like Mosala and, and stuff like that, you know, or, or Arian Robin, guys that are dominant or, you know, dominant on, on one foot, on their left foot. And not that Giggs couldn't use his right foot, but, you know, clearly left foot was his favorite. He still played on the left wing. So he didn't play in that era of, you know, guys that were left footed that play on the right or, you know, right footed wingers playing on the left so that they can cut in on that favorite foot to drive shots. You know, he played on the left hand side and, and created and, and putting good balls and, um, he was electric and I loved watching him for a, a very, very long time. Um, so number five for me, Ryan Giggs, number four, um, I expect this to be mixed emotions among United fans. And I, I try to separate, you know, what he did as a player for United versus what he became after the fact. And number four for me is David Beckham. Um, you know, watching him as a United player um, was incredibly enjoyable. Like the the free kicks, you know, obviously were his uh, were his money maker. He was absolutely incredible at those. But just as a as a player when he was younger, you know, those uh, you know mid to late nineties, um, he really was a, a a fantastic football player, and you know maybe less so for Real Madrid, and even even less so for LA Galaxy. Um, but for, you know, when, for me growing up watching him play with a, you know, United shirt on, um, he was absolutely amazing for, so for me, number four, David Beckham, um, number three, uh, Waza, Wayne Rooney, um, you know, obviously he was there for a lot of the good stuff and, and he's so precocious, um, when he was younger, um, and even, you know, even into, you know, some of his, you know, mid to late twenties, um, I tell the story of, you know, they were playing Everton, um, and it was Jagielka and it was, like, they played back to Jagielka and, and Rooney was giving chase as the striker and Phil played it off and, you know, it was like three seconds away and Rooney still comes through and just, you know, you know, puts an elbow into Phil's jaw and puts him on his ass and and runs away, <laughs> and it just reminds me of like you know the 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 street baller that that he was you know just that physical presence but but also on his day you know just how clinical of a player he was um, you know the 2011 Champions League final match that we lost to uh, Barcelona um, you know Barcelona was by far though you know they were at peak of their powers. Um, at that point with Pep Guardiola, um, Leo Messi and Busquets and Xavi and Iniesta. And, and, you know, if you, if you watch that game, Wayne Rooney was the only player for United that belonged on the pitch with, with those Barcelona players. Um, you know, he was at, at that point for me, one of the top 10 players in the world. And, you know, he, he did it for a long time. He scored a lot of goals for a long time. I still like watching him play. I still like watching him hustle. You saw, um, you know, was it last year, you know, for DC United, that, that play where he track, you know, he's, he's, he's not even that old, but he's out of shape as, as he's let himself become, um, still, you know, 
just that you know that pit bull mentality you know chase that guy down made the tackle like physical tackle puts up puts the guy in his ass turns around gets up and plays a 50 yard ball like pinpoint in the air to a five foot five guy for a header goal um you know I, I loved watching him play um so for me number three Wayne Rooney um number two um, again, probably mixed emotions, but as a United, as a United fan, I, I absolutely love him. I absolutely adore him. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo. And, you know, when he first came on, it, the, it was almost too much. The, the stepovers were insane. Like he'd fall asleep watching him step over the ball 46 times before, you know, he'd touch it to play. But, um, watching him grow into the player that, you know, with, you know, 2009 when we won um, against Chelsea in Russia in the Champions League final, um, just how how dominant he was. I don't hold anything against him wanting to move on to Real Madrid. You know, he provided a number of, of wonderful years and displays for for us. Um, and I'm I'm proud to say that you know he wore uh, wore a United shirt. So for me, number two is Cristiano Ronaldo, and then number one. Um, you know, I never got to watch him play live, but the first player that I watched um, when I when um, my coach started giving me you know uh, season highlight tapes um, was Eric Cantona, and you know he really embodied you know what United became in the early '90s. You know he was he was that that world class player that was playing alongside you know the class '92 as they were growing and developing. Um, you know he. He was the the lightning rod, you know, on that team. But he was so good, and he was a crazy son of a bitch. But he was he was fantastic. Um, it, uh, it's probably my favorite celebration of all time. Um, you know, he puts in a, a chip goal that's just absolutely perfectly pushes stamped in the upper upper ninety. And, you know, it was off the post and goes in, and he stops and turns like turns slowly with his arms up, like I mean, he might as well just put you know. Gladiator soundtrack. You know, are you not entertained? You know, like, you know Russell Crowe standing there shouting to the crowd. Um, you know, I absolutely loved him, the King uh, Eric Cantona for me, number one. So that is uh, that is that is all. Hopefully, you know, you guys aren't completely asleep from my voice at this point. Um, I you know I I always enjoy doing this with the guys. Um, this was a little different this week, and you know I think Mike is still gonna add a little five to ten minute commentary. I'm sure it's gonna be a lot of anger over that Canada USA match tonight, but um, I'm glad that you guys came along for the ride with me, and uh, I look forward to uh, and talking with you more in the future. All right, adios. I've got nothing to say, nothing to say at all. Well done. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Now here is soundtracks from two of Jimmy's favorite movies merged together Rooster and the Devil